0: This week on the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, we return to Catholicism. It's Catholic Conspiracy Theories 2, Pope Harder. Popeinator 2, Judgment Day. Or Pope, Pope 2, Pope in the City? Pope 2, when he comes, he'll tear your world apart. That, that's the tagline to Warlock 2, isn't it? Yep. The, uh, the film with the poster of Julian Sands' hand outstretched with glowing white goo in the centre? Yep. If we were crass, we'd comment on that. We certainly would. We'd really hammer the joke home. We would pound it out. But I'm fairly sure we've mentioned uh, that poster and tagline on the podcast before, so rather than slap you with it like a meat sausage... Because, after all, we are genteel folk. Mm. Uh, We're just going to move right along. So with that, Pope, the revenge. Pope Two, the wrath of Khan. Khan? Khan! Khan! The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. It's a, a sunny afternoon here in Auckland uh, and you are joined as usual by Josh Edison and Dr. N. Dentit.
1: That is correct. You are joined by us. Mm. Psychically, physically, geographically. In the bonds of holy matrimony? Not just yet, but that is coming. The so there young. will be marriage vows and we'll all just have a Lovely polyamorous relationship together, polyamory with conspiracy.
0: What more does a person need can 't think of anything uh, so this week we're, we're we're going Popey again we We get a bit of, had a bit of popiness last week, but a popitude we're kind of doing
1: series. We did two episodes on China, yep now we've got two episodes on the Catholic Church. Where will we go next in our two episode extravaganza? who
0: knows hmm. Actually we know we we do know we've decided we're, we're next doing next a topic, bo- yeah. a book
1: yeah. review next week it's going to be exciting. <laughs> and-
0: so I guess that means we have to do a book review the week after that as well?
1: Basically. or oh, actually, the thing is, I've got another book. Mm. So actually we do
0: have another book we can do after next week This is just a plot of yours to make me read, isn't it?
1: It is See, the thing is, Josh Evil. doesn't like reading Josh likes to look at still images and frames on a page You call them kumik books? Something like that Kumik books He's very fond of kumik books mm. And kumik book writers And I like to give him to read the occasional word that isn't a script or notes for this podcast Novels so,
0: thin the blood That's a well-known fact. That is true, thin blood is
1: Mm. good blood. Thick blood clogs up the arteries. That's why people have heart attacks, because they don't read enough to thin the blood out. Also, take three leeches every day Mm. up the anus. I do Well, I'm doing it right now. Of course you Um, are, because we always put our our anal leeches in before we record the podcast. Mm. This is going in a very weird, weird direction. Maybe we should should return to the pub?
0: Yes, let's, ret- let's let's from let, yeah, to, the, to pope. the pope.
1: It's a natural progression experienced by human beings since time immemorial.
0: Can we move on? Yes, I think we'd better do that right now. Right. So we have moved on. Um, last week we talked about conspiracy theories in general in the Catholic Church, and at the end of it we had to make mention of the fact that uh, when old Pope John Paul the died, thirty-three days into his. Pa- papacy, is
1: yeah, that pap- papacy? Yeah, papacy. That's, that's correct. That's um,
0: the right word. That, that that itself spawned too many conspiracy theories to go through in one section of one part of an episode. And so we said we'd probably do it next week. And next week is this week.
1: Yes, now we are a few days late mm. due to Scheduling
0: difficulties. Not
1: due to the Catholic Church no. trying to stop us from making this episode. They just don't nor, care. To nor honest. the assassins of mm. Pope John I. Oops. Stopping us from yeah. the episode. But we, we've managed to fend off papal assassins and anti-papal assassins to bring you this exciting story about the death of Pope John Paul I. Mm. The prequel to Pope John, ah, Pope, pope I can't say Pope John Paul, pope John can Paul now yeah. the second, who was a rather lengthy Pope.
0: Mm. Rather, rather lengthy yep, Pope. He, he had some good staying power, that Pope. Yeah. And then, then it was Benedict and then it was the latest one, or was there someone in between?
1: Yeah, so we get Benedict, then we've got Kaababach, and I'm fairly we get Pope Johnny Lee Miller next. Right,
0: okay. Now actually
1: so, what's interesting about this, and this is something which bears pointing out, the reason why we had such a long papacy with Pope John Paul II, he was a young Pope. He was mm. a relatively young man elected to the throne of St. Peter to become the pontiff of the Roman Catholic Church. Traditionally Not always, but traditionally, popes have been older men. Yes. And it's kind of thought to be a feature that one way to make sure the papacy and the church continues to modernize and become vibrant and alive in its community is you elect old men to the throne of St. Peter because they're more likely to die and thus you're more likely to get generational change quite quickly. And that was what was interesting about Pope John Paul II who was taken to be a rather interesting pick at the time, but of course ended up becoming quite a conservative pope
0: long-term because we were stuck with one person the entire time. Mm. But when it comes to popes, the term conservative and liberal it's sort of on a sliding scale isn't it i mean well, yes. the latest pope is quite a liberal pope but, but a pope. still actually but, very
1: conservative yeah. he's just a liberal conservative mm. which is one of those things which sometimes the mind just has to do hopes to try and work what's what's going on but yes mm. he's a liberal conservative but still very conservative yes but, and, but actually when i was in bucharest my italian flatmate was going oh Oh, Papa Francis, everybody thinks he's so great because he's liberal compared to Pope John Paul II But he's still actually a really, really reactionary, regressive person Yes, as as
0: I say, a sliding scale I Yeah, suppose. Mm. amorphous mm. But uh, John Paul I never really got to, to see much about him at all Because he died awfully quick I think pe- people had said he wasn't as... Um, he wasn't like as educated as some of the popes before him, he didn't sort of have the, the, the intellectualism of a lot of them But apparently was, was, was just a jolly, a belly nice fellow.
1: Yes, I suppose in some respects there's some analogy here to Pope Francis, who is taken to be a jolly nice fellow, mm. except that Francis is actually quite well educated.
0: Yes, but anyway, John Paul I. So uh, he was found dead on the morning of the 29th of September in 1978. When I was two years old, coincidence. I
1: was only one.
0: Well, now that's a coincidence. Oh, that's you yeah, know, just this conspiracy. It's turtles all the way down, um, popes all the way down. Yeah, all it's, the just, way. it's just papacy after mm. papacy after papacy. Funny how that works. Um, so, the official finding was that he'd probably died. He'd, he'd died of a heart attack, which probably had happened the evening beforehand. He was found um, lying in bed with his reading light still on with a book by his side, so it seemed he'd just sort of died suddenly while reading in bed before going to sleep that night. But, um, there, do we there, know what the book was? Uh, well, well, that's one of the things. Um, we, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but,. Conspiracy theories started popping up fairly quickly, partly simply because uh, he, he'd, he'd died so quickly that people thought that seems a little bit weird, uh, notwithstanding the fact that popes are old men, and old men do, do, do die at it a is, higher rate than yeah, uh,
1: those, those younger. The older you get, the more likely you are to die. Mm. Older men are very likely to
0: die compared to young men. Not that young men don't die, mm. just that older men die more often. Yes. Um, so, so there was, you know, there was the, the shock, basically the suddenness. I've I've heard stories of people from the time who, like, um, showed up somewhere, sort of, you know, the the, the prior Pope uh, Paul the Sixth, who we might mention briefly, and we did talk about last time. Paul the Sixth had died, and then just a month later, uh, John Paul the dies, and so there, there are stories of people. This is the '70s, obviously, no internet, news travelled a bit slower, showing up to a place and being told the Pope is dead, and they are like. Yeah, yeah, we know. It was a month ago. No, 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 no this one's dead as well, and being, being quite shocked. Um, but then there are also, there, there are our good old friend discrepancies in official reports. We've uh, How many times have we seen this in, in other things?
1: It is indeed a feature of many a conspiracy theory, especially initial reports, which are taken mm. to be discrepant with reports after the fact. And there's a quite interesting psychology going on here, in that for some reason... People think initial reports should be trusted more than subsequent reports. And yet, as we know from media reporting, initial reports are more likely to be filled with error for the sheer fact that initial reports are often rushed to the desk, and so people aren't verifying things. It's only later on that people go, I know that they said there were three suspects, but all the other witnesses say two. So we have to assume that first report is erroneous in some sense. But of course that then becomes a discrepancy. Why were they reporting three suspects and now they're only saying two? Well, they're only saying two because, in retrospect, one of those initial reports looks like it was an error.
0: Mm. And so that's what we see here. There are discrepancies... um... Uh, in, in the various accounts of his death that came out over time. So there were th- things like um, who was it who found him um, in, in some reports he was found by his secretaries who came to check the on him in the morning. Nuncio. The papal nuncio Isn't it a Shakespearean character?
1: I suspect well there'll be there'll be nuncios in yeah, Shakespearean plays. That's the only un- context a, I
0: know that term. It's a role mm. papal secretary basically uh, nuncio Hopes. Uh so it was either either some secretaries or possibly um, some nuns in the Vatican. Um, nuns in the nuns Vatican, the Vatican. Uh, so supposedly. I, I think I believe the the official story now is that it was. Um, a nun who usually left a cup of coffee out for him in the morning knowing he you know usually rose around that time he he, he was an early riser a quarter past five in the morning or something uh, and when she looked in and saw that he hadn't picked up his coffee she checked on, on him found him dead called called another nun and they raised the alarm so there was there was the question of who found him then as the, the, your question about the the book he was found holding um apparently the title of that book changed um, from retelling to retelling i didn't bother actually writing it down now it was. You'll be surprised. It was something, something religiousy. I can't remember like what exactly. Whole, holy blood, holy grail. Probably. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god! My entire career is based on a lie.
0: Oh, well, better die. Mm. But simply the fact that at one point people were saying he'd been reading one book and then at a, uh, at a later time people said he was reading another book was again jumped on as a ha-ha-ha. And then apparently there was some question. I haven't, I, in, in my limited reading preparing for this, I didn't actually see an official wording on it, but there was apparently some question about the autopsy or whether or not one had been conducted and when and where and how and so on um so that's one and then there are also conspiracy theories founded on the fact that this pope had some views which as we say were you know were liberal for a pope yeah. um yeah he was uh apparently he was he was sympathetic to contraception in in that sort of he i believe he'd spoken about uh in in famine stricken countries where there weren't enough you know too many mouths to feed and so on he was sort of sympathetic to the idea that people might actually turn to contraception to make sure they weren't having more children than they could feed um he was questioned on uh, it was around this time when artificial insemination was becoming a thing um, and he was questioned on that, and he basically said, Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Sort of, you know, God made us, we're doing it. You know, it's, it's not like, um, you know, we're not, we're not creating artificial life forms or something. We're just taking a natural process and, and doing it slightly differently. So he a okay robot. With, with robots and needles yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So these conspiracy theories started to come around. Um, so do, do, we, do we start with the detailed ones or just the general catch all wackiness?
1: I say we'll do the catch-all and then move on to the details.
0: Yeah, because there's—I mean, th- th- there were there are some common threads that come through some of them. Um, Freemasonry, and we saw that last time when we were talking about old old Cardinal Siri getting shafted out of the papacy on more than one occasion was all, all because of those Freemasons. So apparently there, there are numerous conspiracy theories saying, "Oh yeah, it was the Masons that did it." Um,
1: now, of course, the Masons did it thing gained a certain amount of credibility after the P2 scandal, the banking scandal, Ooh. where we had Calvino being associated particularly with British Masons, and so actually the Masons were kind of involved in the papal hierarchy, or at least being used by members of the papal hierarchy, made people go, "Oh, this whole Freemasons and the Church thing, which have always kind of laughed off as being ridiculous, there is something to it. But it's one thing to go. There was a banking scandal, and that was a conspiracy mm. to Freemasons, and are responsible for every bad thing that happens to a. Yes, pope.
0: yes. So this banking scandal, we'll come back to um, shortly because it did feature in some of the more, more thought out conspiracy theories. But we had Masons, we had references to the Fatima prophecies. Oh yes, the which old... of course,
1: which of course, Benedict was also involved in. Was he? So there's a conspiracy theory about. The previous Pope, the living previous Pope, mm. pope Benedict. How,
0: how, When was the last time a Pope actually retired prior to Benedict? It doesn't normally happen, it's does Actually,
1: it? it a few hundred yeah. years ago, it's not particularly mm. common So people will be aware there were these three pro- pro- prophecies uh, delivered apparently by the Virgin Mary at Fatima to a set of children Two of the prophecies were made public. The third prophecy was kept under seal. There were rumours going around the prophecy referred to either the destiny or fate of the church, uh, the number of popes that were left in the papal reign, things like that. Basically, Pope Benedict, before he became a pope back when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, was responsible, along with Pope John Paul II, for the revelation of the third Fatima prophecy. So Pope John Paul II made public what the prophecy said, but there's a conspiracy theory going on there that when Ratzinger saw what the prophecy said, he and Pope John Paul II had to create an alternate version of the third prophecy of Fatima. So the the information wouldn't get out. Now, the suspicion is, by people who hold to the conspiracy theory about what's in this still-sealed third prophecy, is that the prophecy refers to how many popes are left, which has either led to the claim that we're up to our very last pope now with Pope Francis, the final pope, or... We've already had our final pope and we have anti-popes in charge now. That mm. The official lineage of Peter is over and done with and the church is now basically alive, being controlled by Satan. Or, or Freemasons, free yes. <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there was some suggestion that uh, this mysterious Third Fatima prophecy um, referred to John Paul I in some way and he was killed either to um, <coughs> thwart the prophecy or possibly to fulfill it. We don't know exactly what it said.
1: In accordance to the prophecy.
0: Um, there's talk of the Trinity. Uh, sorry, Tridentine mass. I don't know what that is. Uh, that's the Latin mass. Right. So I think Paul the Sixth had moved away from that, and there was a talk that John Paul I was going to bring it back, and uh, some people didn't like that for some reason, although I understand Benedict brought it back eventually himself
1: well benedict allowed the latin mass to be celebrated so basically one of the big things that happened in the second half of the 20th century in roman catholicism was moving away from the mass in latin to the Mass in the Vulgate, so basically performing the Mass in the language of your country. And there were certain Conservatives who felt that the new Mass was illegitimate and didn't have the right stamp of approval, despite the fact that actually the Latin Mass, as was practiced in the early part of the 20th century, the Tridentine Mass, was a modification of even earlier other Latin Masses. The Masses changed a lot over time. But people are very conservative in the Catholic Church when it comes to change.
0: Mm. Yes, so there was some, and and indeed to the extent that people thought it could have actually been a legitimate motive for murder, the idea that that this tridentine mass being um, re-established might be enough to kill someone over. But those are all, um, are sort of variations. They really are. It's a
1: Catholic first world issue. Mm. Oh my God, they're
0: changing the mass. This pope must die. Have you seen uh, John Mulaney's stand-up routine? No, like, I haven't. I think not. he won he won uh, awards for it, I believe. But um, he there's a section where he talks about how he went uh, went home to meet his family. I can't remember what the occasion was, uh, and then sort of being not not being a very good Catholic, hadn't been going to church much, but had been telling his family, "Oh, oh yes, of course, I'm going to church every Sunday." And then there's a bit where they do the what is does the peace be with you. And also, with, and also yeah. with you, which now they've changed. There's a new response to I've that. I've been a lapsed yeah, Catholic Yeah, ex- ex- that that's his point. Yeah. So, the, the the they say, you know, peace be with you. Everyone in the church says one thing, except for him who says, <laughs> who it <shouting "And>, out. <laughs> and also with you, and sort of expo- and, and then sort of has a routine about, you know, obviously in the Roman Catholic Church, they've been sitting around saying that's the thing that needs fixing in the Roman Catholic Church. That, and also with you, it sounds clunky. We got to we got to replace it. But anyway.
1: And this is actually uh, a good routine, look it four, up For Catholics, even lapsed Catholics One of the greatest issues in the Star Wars franchise Is whenever anyone says May the force be with you Catholics can't help but go And, and also, also with you, you. Yes. Uh, But anyway Maybe That's why the Catholic Church changed
0: it So that Catholics wouldn't do that mm, anymore Every time they watch Star Wars, it's a good idea uh, But anyway so on onto, onto the more more detailed, uh, more more possibly thought out conspiracy theories, I suppose um, the ones that people have literally mm, written written books, books on. on. So the first one, the first major one that I'm aware of, came in 1984. So that's what six years um, after his death, a uh, British crime author by the name of David Yollop um, wrote a book called In God's Name. Um, and so his theory was that uh, John Paul I had been be murdered to stop him from exposing corruption and Freemasonry within the Vatican. So this the sort of stuff that you mentioned a minute ago. Um, there was this banking, uh, banking corruption, this uh, big, big, what would you call it? Affair, Farrago?
1: Yeah, the Calvino
0: affair. So basically, the Church runs a bank, because... the Vatican bank. Well, actually, what is it? The uh, Istituto per le Opere Religiose, institution for religious management or something. But uh,
1: what an Italian accent you do! My name's Mario,
0: mm. and uh, uh, oh, known colloquially as the Vatican Bank. So we we'll yes. call it that. And so, based, because
1: the because the Roman Catholic Church is a gigantic institution, which has offices basically in every single country in the world, and every Catholic church gives some money back to the diocese, the bishopric, but also to Rome, the Vatican has to run a bank basically Mm -hmm. to manage all of those funds. It's one of the longest standing banks in Western history. And it's been wracked with corruption scandals for a very long time Mm -hmm. because it turns out that the kind of people who handle the vast sums of money the Catholic
0: Church have sometimes aren't doing it
1: in service
0: of their god. Not entirely, no. So this particular scandal um, involved the head of the Vatican Bank, one Bishop Paul Marcinkus, uh, and Roberto Calvi of the Italian bank, Banco Ambrosiano, um, so apparently the Vatican Bank had invested heavily in Banco Ambrosiano uh, That bank collapsed, costing the Vatican Bank around a quarter of a billion dollars, apparently, in 1982 Yeah, which is, is yeah,
1: in 82 money, mm. that's gigantically gigantic
0: um, So yeah, Marcinkus was indicted um, And then, then things become more murky because it turns out that um, Calvi was a member of this, this P2, Propaganda Due which was an illegal Italian Masonic Lodge. Yes, a Catholic
1: nice. Masonic Lodge.
0: Um, because it was, uh, its Masonic Charter was withdrawn in 1976. I don't know what you have to do to get your Masonic Charter withdrawn, but they did it. Um, and so at that point, To begin with, it was basically kind of a secret society. It was yeah. uh, uh, this, this sort of secret, not, not really official Masonic Lodge, but a Masonic Lodge. And so this, the, the whole affair became very murky. Calvi um, committed suicide allegedly not long after the corruption came out. So did his secretary. And now, in both cases, that was yeah, now the
1: way he committed suicide. I'm fairly sure it was Blackfriars Bridge in London. He hung himself with bricks in his pocket, in a way where it didn't look as if he'd actually done it himself. So mm. the it was put forward as suicide. But the way that he kind of hung himself upside down by his feet with bricks in his pocket looked quite a lot like murder, or at least many people think it was murder. And there's a really, really good TV movie of this by, of all people, the comic strip Presents called Spaghetti Hopes. Mm, I do not know it. It's really, really good. It's black and white, and it's basically a look at Calvi as kind of a blundering idiot who gets into the wrong things at the wrong time, but also quite a grim comedy, given it ends with him committing suicide or being murdered at Blackfriars Bridge in London.
0: Mm. And so then, yes, his secretary also apparently committed suicide at around the same time and also under somewhat suspicious circumstances, because there was also not only Masonic insinuations, but there were also suggestions that he was tied to the Mafia. And so that this was a, a, which because it's
1: Italy is not out of the question.
0: Mm. So, especially um,
1: a banking cartel and the mafia in Italy.
0: So um, David Yolip in his book, In God's Name, he named six men in particular, uh, three in the church and three of these sort of banking-slash-mafia types um, as conspirators in the death. Um, so he named, as well as uh, Bishop marcinkus, he named Archbishop John Patrick Cody of Chicago. Um, the, the claim is that supposedly John Paul I was about to force him into retirement, and so he harbored resentment there. Uh, apparently Cardinal Jean-Marie Villot, uh, had who... Had some form of theological differences with him, and therefore wanted him gone. And the big claim—that the, the sort of the big central claim in Yollop's book—and the 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 claim that he had most wanted people to investigate and find out whether or not was true or not, was that when John Paul I was found, he had found clutched in his hand a piece of paper which named various members of the Roman Curia as either Freemasons, corrupt in some way, uh, or in some way involved with laundering money for the Mafia. Now, of course, uh, members of is it the Roman Catholic Church in general or just the sort of the higher ups in the Vatican aren't allowed to be Masons? It is,
1: it's it is com- it's in some complicated mm-hmm. in that it's commonly believed that Catholics are not allowed to be Masons and at some points in time there have been church edicts saying quite deliberately, don't be a Ma- Mason. At other points there's been edicts saying, Well, we just don't care which is complicated by the fact that Many English forms of Masonry won't admit Catholics, because Masonry, you have to believe in a higher power of some kind to be a Mason, but you also have to have allegiance to the Master Mason. And we're getting back to what we discussed last week, Catholics apparently
0: can't be trusted to... To serve anyone other than the Pope. Yes, yes, the old chestnut. So, yes, I mean, so there was this claim that uh, John Paul I had the dirt on a number of senior figures within the Vatican and was killed because of it. But uh, in, in, the re- in the reading, I, I, I have not read, uh, in God's name, because books give you cancer. They thin um, the blood. Mm, it, it, your cancerous blood, they thin out the cancer. No, wait, that makes it sound like a good thing. <laughs> yes, you should be reading more books. Mm. Uh, so, but, but all, all the uh, reading that I've done basically just talked about this motive stuff, all, all the, the ideas around um, you know, the reasons why someone might have wanted to kill John Paul I, but very little talk about how they killed him, for instance, how you murder someone in the Vatican. I mean, I suppose if it was one of his... One of the higher ups that did it themselves, they would have the ability to sneak around. But, uh, well, I mean, given he
1: died of a heart
0: attack, mm, you can always do the old something, sort of old arsenic, and they,
1: or yes, or strychnine, both mm. of which will cause heart attack like stuff symptoms. That's, yes. that's the word I was yep. looking for,
0: yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that that is the biggest theory that I'm aware of. Uh, so five years later, 1989, um, John Cornwell, who's another British author, also a journalist, also a diplomat, I think. Uh, published his book *A Thief in the Night*, which was basically a counter to *In God's Name*. Um, he he argued against most of Yollop's points, um, and and uh, while he does argue for a conspiracy, um, he his version is a much more benign conspiracy. Um, so he, as as we said, he looks at a lot of these discrepancies that that Yollop, among other people, pounced on, um, and basically just said, yeah, it's just poor communication. You know, immediately after an event, is... as um, significant is the death of a pope, there's lots of, you know, lots of gaps in knowledge, um, lots of competing information going back and forth, nobody quite knows exactly what's going on, um, and that just results in these discrepancies, especially some of the more major ones, like supposedly... Um there was a claim that undertakers were called for uh, to ta- to remove his body at five o'clock in the morning, and yet supposedly he he hadn't or had only just been found at five o'clock in the morning. So that seemed much too early for for it. You know, someone would have had to have known in advance essentially to have called the uh, um, undertakers at that time. But supposedly that in this particular instance that was a typo, and the uh, undertakers were called at five pm that night. So that's that's you know just simple misunderstanding. Um, but Cornwall's own theory, and which does account for some of these discrepancies, is that rather than having a heart attack at around sort of 11 o'clock or something late at night on February the 28th, he believed that the Pope had died somewhat earlier than that, had been found, prior, had, had been found there, and then had been posed in bed to be found the next morning. Um, and so the reasons for that were, um, for in one, uh, in one instance, to sort of make it look like the Pope had was in better health than he had been essentially, um, because as as we 'll get into he had had some sort of health scares, apparently, um, and so if if those had sort of been proven right, that would have been a worse look than if he had all just died suddenly in a way mm. that nobody yeah. could have predicted. Um, but in particular, yes, he had uh, that night, apparently, the night that he died, he had supposedly complained of chest pains. Um, a night or two beforehand, he'd also complained of chest pains, and at the time, his secretaries had said, oh, should we summon a doctor? And he's like, no, 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 don't worry, I'll be fine. And so part of this conspiracy theory is that these secretaries were sort of racked with guilt, oh no, if only we'd, we'd made him see a doctor, if only we'd done something, he might have lived. Um, and so they, they sort of made a point of making it look like he'd died much later at night when no one was around, so there's nothing anyone could have done. Yeah. So it's a, he, he, you know, it's a conspiracy theory of a sort. It's kind of a cover-up, but a much less malevolent one than he was killed by mafia Freemason Nazis, I assume.
1: And the thing is, when a pope dies, there's quite a lot of rigmarole around the, what happens immediately after the death as you basically shut down the church and get ready for the election of a new pope, including the body needs to be visited by the senior cardinals who are in the Vatican at the time, there's the breaking of the papal ring, which the pope wears to show that that papacy has ended. So you can imagine a situation where you discover the pope is dead, and then go, we need a few more hours to just set a few things mm. up to to have the right kind of photo opportun- opportunity. So he's not currently dead. I mean, he's he's cold in his bed, but he's not he's not actually he's dead, not dead yet. Dead, I mean, we'll find him in a few a few hours, and then then the smooth machinery of mm. papal government will come into effect, and the papacy will look grand.
0: Mm. So I mean, that's that's his sort of. Um... Argument against, I and mean, then since then, I mean, there have been more recent books. Um, there was one whose title I don't have in front of me right now, just talking about um, the moments, uh, the, the, the sort of the time immediately after his death, and that that was the one I think that um, sort of solidified the claim that it was these two nuns um, who found him, and not the secretaries. I should say, of course, that the secretaries stringently deny Cornwall's theory that they, you know, um, had had. Fudged the details around the Pope's death uh, in part to make themselves look a bit better. But um, there's been that. there's been another book um, by a name called Lucien Gregore, um, which came out just last year, I think. Yes, uh, the the Vatican Murders, Ooh, which sounds mm. uh, but which is is basically about the banking scandal again, and I assume these suspicious suicides and so on. Um, so he he agrees with David Yollop. His book being a lot uh, more recent has more detail, but it's basically more detail about the banking scandal So he goes much further into the corruption and and the, the, the details of the the scandal there Um, He also brings the CIA into it. So he thinks that the CIA... What conspiracy
1: theory is complete without the CIA?
0: So he believes that that these conspirators brought the CIA into the mix and it was CIA assassins who actually offed John Paul I. Uh, The CIA's motivation being that supposedly the Vatican at the time was quite sort of... Sympathetic to to the extent of being subservient to the United States and the CIA Were worried that maybe John Paul the might change things and and make it slightly uh, less Subservient to the United States, but um, which of course
1: fits into all the conspiracy theories about the CIA Meddling in South American countries, which of course it turns out they actually did So well, yes. you can kind of go I mean it sounds mm. ridiculous, but at the same time
0: also not outside the bounds of probability yes um and so that's all i have on the death of john paul the first there are some interesting you say that's all you have that was quite a lot well it was yes but there is as we say there have been books written and i've just spoken for what 20 minutes or something so i'm sure that there is more that could be said but um now last week you mentioned the death of pope uh paul the sixth his predecessor being slightly dodgy. I, I haven't seen... No, I was actually talking about John the... Twi- oh, the one... 20th, the, one the first successor, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yes. yeah. The,
1: one, the one who set up the Vatican II reforms. And so when he died, this wasn't a major conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. but when he died, people went, you know, if I was thinking of a motivation for engineering a death, liberalizing the church with the Vatican II reforms, that seems like the kind of thing that maybe conservatives in the church... Might have wanted to do. So there was just a suspicion at the time he died in case of Did he die naturally or were there conservative forces going? No, you're going too far And of course what's interesting about this particular hypothesis is that with the election of Pope John Paul II, We had a kind of slowing down of the Vatican II reforms. So we had a slightly more conservative Cardinal come into power and many of the Vatican II reforms have actually never been enacted. So it kind of fits the theory that, well, maybe they killed the person who started the reforms to try and stop any more reforms from happening.
0: Mm, so again, motive, motive, motive yeah. seems to be what most people talk about. No, I mean I had a quick look at Pope Paul VI. Apparently he was the first... Pope in modern times to be accused of being gay, which I suppose in certain circles is reason to kill him to, if you are exceptionally homophobic, and there are some exceptional homophobes out there, or if, Especially you, don't want, the Catholic Church. if you don't want a scandal. Um, he Apparently at one point, uh, Pope VI gave, us, uh, gave a bit of a homily during which he condemned homosexuality, and at that point a, a French writer and diplomat by the name of Roger Perfitte said that he would, said that Paul VI was a closeted gay, and so there, there, there was some talk about that. But that's, that was the only sort of controversies I could find out around him. He felt it's, so gay mm. in a papery way. <laughs> yes. He might as well be king of Catholic Church. But anyway, so that's our foray in, into the dead Poe Whips society. I think that works. It pretty I much works. I'm going to slap you mm. to
1: death after this.
0: My Favorite joke from 30 Rock is when the, the uh, Pete, the head, head writer, says, I used to be a teacher. You know, when I taught, I was like Robin Williams and Dead Poet Society, by which I mean I got fired. Yeah. Completely irrelevant to this topic, but it's one of my favorite jokes. And actually, also relevant to this topic, but just thinking about the,
1: the rigmarole around the death of Pope John Paul I, I rewatched The Kipper and the Corpse, the great Forty Towers second season ep- episode where they discover someone is dead or they say discover basil serves him breakfast it's only when polly comes in to deliver milk for his tea that she realizes that the guy was dead and basil was just completely and utterly unaware so i'm imagining a version of the death of pope john paul john paul the first where the nuncio came in you know fiddled around with things served breakfast walked out and it was only someone who walked. Came in a few minutes later to deliver the newspaper Case okay, so of he's dead My god, that was so, so, it's been cold for hours How didn't you notice? Let, let, no one No one mm. should know that I made this mistake He died just now
0: Yep, the you heard it, Basil Faulty killed the Pope Yes, John Clace mm.
1: I'll get you, John Clace
0: And now, the news
1: Breaking, breaking Conspiracy theories in the news
0: It's news time,
1: which means a quick update on what's happening in the various Reddit conspiracy theory
0: forums. Girls who drink pumpkin spice beverages are actually surveillance drones sent by the government. Can the caravan be an inside job? Uh, And one which tickles my own fancies, Demolition Man. Excellent film, showed us what the elite has been doing for the past century and what it means for those of us who are awake.
1: And now... Crypto-antisemitism. Not that we're engaging in crypto-antisemitism, if we are so crypto that it's hidden even from mm. us. No, we're talking about instances of crypto-antisemitism elsewhere.
0: Doubtless you'll be aware that there was a shooting in a US synagogue last week, the Tree of Life Temple. President Trump's response to it was basically to say that if someone had had a gun at the briss, things would have turned out differently. As the Lord doth
1: say to Noah, always carry a handgun
0: when worship is necessary. Fairly sure that was Samuel L. Jackson, and he was playing a character? I'll never
1: forget his turn as the burning bush in 10 Things I Hate About Commandment.
0: Not a real film, but it is a real trailer.
1: Anyway, in the weeks leading up to the shooting at Tree of Life Temple, Trump or whoever writes his speeches, and gives him his buzzwords, has been
0: engaging in what really does look like dog whistle racism. Dog whistle racism is where someone says something racists are primed to hear as supporting their racist views, even though what has been said could be explained away uh, is just an innocuous comment.
1: Trump has been talking about how, at heart, he's a nationalist first and a globalist second, that the US will deal with globalists after they fix
0: up national concerns, and how he's not meant to say he's a nationalist, but he's going to anyway. As other commentators have pointed out, this kind of rhetoric is not just dog whistle racism, as nationalism in the US is a coded phrase for white nationalism, but it's also the kind of rhetoric the Nazis used as they rose to power. Now, some people will be clutching their heads and going,
1: why did you have to bring up Nazis? But it's important to note that the Nazis didn't just march out of Nuremberg fully formed as leather-suited, jack-booted fascists. They developed a political movement which spoke to a certain base in Weimar Republic, Germany, using Ta-da! Dog-whistle racism, like talk of globalist plots to rob Germany of its economic wealth, playing on fears of immigrants changing the German way of life, and blaming the Jewish people for their lot because, well, weren't doing enough to protect themselves.
0: Dog whistles of this type are inherently conspiratorial because it's a form of political speech where the dog whistlers will deny that what they're saying is a dog whistle and that their innocuous statements are being taken out of context. Not just that, but a successful dog whistle can then be used to attack those disturbed by the dog whistle as being too precious or politically correct.
1: And before we go on, I just want to address an elephant in the room which is the thesis that all conspiracy theories are at base crypto-antisemitic. This is a view propounded by people like Michael Barkun in his book A Culture of Conspiracy, where he links conspiracy theories to the kind of antisemitism which was rife in the French Revolution, and dates the age of the conspiracy theory as starting there. For people like Bakun, conspiracy theories are inherently anti-semitic theories,
0: and those which appear not to be are crypto-anti-semitic. This is obviously false, given that there are a host of conspiracy theories which seem to have no anti-semitic character at all. Like the 1080
1: kills native birds theories here in Aotearoa. Mm.
0: And for the sheer fact that many conspiracy theories have turned out to be true, as endlessly listed on this podcast, wherein the culprits, the conspirators, have turned out to not be Jewish. Now, none of this is to say that
1: crypto-antisemitism isn't rife in certain conspiracy theorist communities, as we have just seen. It's just that it's a mistake to think all conspiracy theories are at heart
0: anti-semitic. Indeed. Now, the synagogue shooting and the pipe bombs from last week have all been linked to white nationalists and supremacists, and has shone a light on Gab. M, you're a social media fiend. You on Gab? No. Uh, Gab is the alt-right version of Twitter. I thought that was Mastodon.
1: No, Mastodon is the LGBTQI-friendly left-wing version of Twitter that hardly anyone uses.
0: So, Gab is the alt-right Nazi-friendly version of Twitter that hardly anyone uses? Correct.
1: Founded in the wake of James Daymore being fired by Google, Gab was set up as an alternative to Twitter, which would not be so damn PC friendly, and has become the place Nazis have to camp to.
0: Which is funny because Nazis are still pretty rife on actual Twitter. So the fact Gab houses the ones in exile is pretty telling when it comes to their stated extremist views.
1: Now, unlike dog whistle racism, Gab is filled with just racism, and the founders of Gab are defending free speech by not telling people to tone it down. This has led services like PayPal, whose online payment system helped keep Gab afloat, and
0: Microsoft, whose servers initially hosted Gab, to pull support for the company. But Gab promises to fight on, and while it does, it's providing quite a lot of information about the people behind the synagogue shootings, as well as those pipe bombs delivered to prominent Democrats. And this leads to the issue of these events being described as the actions of lone wolf. It's true that some of the recent atrocities, we would call them terrorist acts, have been examples of people acting alone, and thus not in some grand orchestrated conspiracy, but given how many of these people share common ideologies and goals, share their stated intentions on sites like Gab, and look for feedback and advice, it seems a little weird to treat each and every one of these events as a one-off lone wolf scenario. These people are communicating with one another, egging one another on, and then praising the culprits after a successful attack. So maybe there's no master document detailing the overall plot, but there's evidence of collective intentionality. Now, talking of collective intentionality, someone who hates
1: the idea we should blame others for our own problems is our old friend Dr. Jordan Peterson, the unthinking man's thinking man. Peterson has shocked the alt-right world recently by coming out against anti-semitism, which was a bit of a surprise
0: given he's engaged in a fair bit of what looked like crypto-anti-semitism in the past. Yes, alt-righters on Twitter and Gab were surprised to find that Dr. Peterson wrote the following on Twitter.
1: Are you using three brackets online to oh so cleverly disguise your pathetically fashionable anti-semitism might reflect today on what responsibility you bear for
0: this. To say the alt-right were shocked at their man coming out against them would be to understate the issue. After all, Peterson has form with respect to crypto-antisemitism, given he goes on and on about the dangers of cultural Marxism, which is basically the modern guise of so-called cultural Bolshevism, the theory the Nazis came up with to blame all of Germany's problems on. But now Peterson seems to have at least realized that at least some crypto-antisemitism is bad, and so we can but hope he'll come to realize that he shouldn't also be fostering it.
1: Sticking with bad messaging about the Tree of Life congregation shooting, and how this messaging comes off as crypto anti-Semitic, how about that rabbi at a campaign event in Michigan this last Monday?
0: Yes, the rally focusing on the campaigns of Republican Senate candidate John James, GOP gubernatorial candidate Bill Schuette, uh, and others, featured a prayer by a Christian rabbi. Yes, you heard right, a Christian rabbi. Loram Jacobs,
1: a former leader of Jews for Jesus, and now pastor for a Messianic Jew congregation, offered a prayer for the victims of the shooting before promptly referring to Jesus
0: as the Messiah, and then praying by name for the Republican candidates on the ballot. Vice President Pence then claimed that Jacobs was a respected member of the Jewish community, despite the fact that all the branches of Judaism take a very dim view of Jesus Christ being referred to as the Messiah. It's quite
1: a difference in theological opinion
0: between the Jewish faith and Christianity, after all. Yes, Pence claims he didn't notice the reference to Jesus as the Messiah, uh, and wasn't personally involved in inviting Jacobs, but this kind of thing where a Jewish tragedy ends up reinforcing notions of Jewish people as not like the rest of us really isn't helping the perceptions that the current US administration isn't just a little bit white supremacist. Finally, just a brief mention of the fact Robert Mueller
1: has reported to the FBI an attempt to smear
0: him. Uh, And by extension, his investigation into Russia's role in the last presidential election.
1: This was by a Republican operative offering to pay money to former aides of his if only they would say he sexually harassed them.
0: This is one of those stories which is only bound to get bigger and more exciting by next week, but we ought to at least mention it here, because we have our hands on the trigger of the best, biggest, and most exciting news. That's why our patrons pay us the big... Or at least some... Bucks. So, next week we'll likely be bringing you exciting reportage of faux sexual assault allegations and how, ironically, this kind of thing feeds into conservative fears women accuse men of sexual assault for monetary gain. Ironic, because if conservatives
1: really are afraid that happens, they probably should make sure people in their own house aren't offering money to make up such allegations. But that is next week's
0: agenda. This week, patrons who pay us a few dollary dues a month get to hear us wax lyrical on Julian Assange attempting to sue the very country offering him asylum. Some preliminary thoughts on that Mueller story. Because patrons get to know what our brain meats are processing before anyone else does. And how QAnon claimed to have the scoop on the Mueller story a day in advance, although it turns out it wasn't quite the scoop they were looking for. But until then, Josh says goodnight. And M says... Uh, the. Script I'm reading says boosterism. Boosterism! Indeed. You've been listening to the
1: podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. It is written, researched, and performed by Josh Addison, aka Monkey Fluids, and MRX Dentith, aka Conspiracism, on Twitter. This podcast is available where all good podcasts can be found, as well as iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. It can also be watched on YouTube. Just search for the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, or, if you happen to be technophobic, consult the Auguries. You can support the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy via our Patreon page, as listed in the podcast description, or just by searching for us on Patreon. You can also support us via the Podbean patronage system, if that is more your style. You do you. If you want to get in contact with us, why not email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. And remember, it's just a step to the left.